Welcome, Emily. Welcome, hello, and happy, happy December, end of the year. So um, happy, so happy. <laughs> what a joyous time of year. Yeah, um, you've, uh, you've been in the thick of it. I'm, yeah, like many of my brothers and sisters <laughs> <laughs> working uh, any type of front line. And no, I'm not talking about COVID. Um, retail during Christmas time. Um, that's that's what War, I'm referring World to. World War One reference is where I was going with that. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, it's just, you know, everyone gets, you know, it's just like weddings. Uh, the holidays bring out a lot of emotions in people and, you know. A lot of feelings and people get a little hectic, a little impatient, and they forget about what really matters, Stuart, <laughs> and they're uh, rude. No, I'm kidding. Everyone's mostly <laughs> lovely, but... No, you can let it out. Let it out. This is <laughs> no, it's your fine. therapy session. Here. It's fine. Um, oh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's been more of a hustle bustle than last year you know last year was so chill it's just, is it just that everything everyone's like frantic is that, uh it's on? just busy yeah I'm, i work at a bookstore we sell used books and records and stuff like that and um we just have a weird inventory of stuff and people are looking for like very specific new stuff and like basically everything we have is used so like things aren't like great like quality all the time so people are just like really weird about that and like I just like go to fucking Barnes and Noble. Anyway, it's 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 yeah. uh it's fun. There's a reason, yeah. There's a reason yeah. why it's at a discount. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. And and yeah, it's cool. It's like a treasure trove of stuff. But you found a lot of good records, though. I've spent like a hundred dollars on <laughs> records already, and I get fifty percent off, and they're all like five dollars. So, really so I bought a lot. <laughs> so you so get fifty percent off of the already discounted price. So it's really yes. like seventy five percent off. It's it's yeah, it's stupid. It's 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 a good reason to do a job like this is you have access to stuff like that um but yeah i mean i got ziggy stardust which i've never been able to find for like a reasonable price there's a we have a velvet underground vinyl and it's white white light white heat the record and for some reason it's a hundred dollars Oh my so God. I'm like, I can't spend $50 on this, but I really want it. Dude, so. you could spend $50 on it and probably turn around and sell it on, on eBay. Yeah, so we're not allowed to do that. <laughs> oh, they're going to hunt down? They're going to hunt you down? I literally signed a oh my contract God. that was like, please don't start a side hustle selling our shit for like more. Anyway, no, I will I will not for the record And you signed your that. real Christian name to that. You're Christian. <laughs> <laughs> your real Chris, start. or did you write a Dude, fake name? Because then naming, you're not, you know. Without naming names, my um, one of my old coworkers got fired for that. Oh, yeah. When I was working at, um, I'm not gonna use the company name either, but I was working at a wine bar that also had, you know, painting parties. Okay. I'll let okay. you think about what that could be. Sounds like cocaine. Uh, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, one of our teachers was like, um she was people would call and be like hey can you do this private event and like host it for whatever and she'd be like well i can do it and she was basically like running her own little side hustle out of the studio like using the studio's phone to like get customers or like using the classes to like poach customers and she thought it was super fine and then we're like no dude that's not cool not fine not fine yeah so that's kind of the version of what it would be doing if i was to like sell the records uh on the internet shit, which I'm not going to do. I signed well, a contract. you couldn't gift them to me and then I could sell them because I've signed I no you, such contract. I found you a weird Jimi Hendrix bootleg. Yeah, I, I'm like <laughs> a huge Hendrix fan and I, like we need to listen to it tonight probably because I genuinely it's have It's weird looking. It looks no like a bootleg. Idea. I think it's a bootleg. It's just like a picture of him on the cover on a white background and it says, my best friend. And then the back has like three songs on it like typed out. It's very strange. So... I we saw it come through. Somebody sold like a really interesting collection yesterday, and we like went through it first. <laughs> Basically, and I'm like, oh, I want this, this, and this, and um, and uh, yeah, they. I saw that, and I was like, I don't know what that is, but it's five dollars, and I'm gonna get it, you know, for Stu, just because it might be interesting. It might be interesting. Yeah. You never know. Those so, things are so weird. Know. And the the thing, and I've talked about it on the podcast. So please, people, if you've heard this before, stay with us. Um, <laughs> I feel like the Hendrix estate has really like squeezed what he's Aww. done for everything they can possibly get. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that he would never want to see the light of day is now released on like various, you know, like these are the unreleased tracks of this and that. But they're they're very they're genuinely like 
sketches. You know, they're yeah. they're just sketches of what he was trying to accomplish. That's tough. And I think I think this one specifically might be live or just studio recordings from Germany. It's from Germany. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, the thing with there's some really famous live performances from that day, obviously, but those are like the pinnacle of 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 uh, you know concert events of the day, like Woodstock or whatever. And yeah. and there's a lot of like bootleg stuff you're talking about where it's like quote live, but it's yeah. really like the most bootleg thing ever. Or it's you know whatever random theater they're at, their house sound like trying to do a recording and. And then they try yeah, to sell it. You know, like, it, who knows what it could be. I'm always, yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the thing is with Hendrix is he had like three straight records that were just incredible Hall of Fame records, you know? And yeah. then, and beyond that, um, he had the live record, um, the live at Woodstock for one, but also he had, um, what was it? Um, the live in Berkeley one. Oh, where, yeah. where he played with a band of gypsies. Yeah. And that's like a really, really good quality one, too. I have it on the wall right here, as you can see. Yeah, I'm always hesitant to buy live records, but sometimes they're kind of, I don't know, depends. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested, you know, like when you said about the Hendrix estate, just squeezing everything out. I'm just interested in like families releasing posthumous shit that's like not... Not ready. ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I think it's sketchy. And the thing is, it's like... Now with streaming, I don't think it's as necessary to because people are just going to stream f- the five best Hendrix songs. You know how like Spotify has the yeah. top five? It's pretty much like molded the way that we listen to artists because we're like, we listen to those top five songs and then it'll probably like automatically switch over to a similar artist and then you're listening to their top five songs. Yeah. It's like B-sides are very rare, which is a good transition into Ooh. this uh, topic today. Christmas time. So I guess maybe not the best transition because uh, <laughs> the first song that I'm going to talk about is a B-side kind of. It never really did well, but mm-hmm. the other one was hugely famous. And then I'm going to do some fun facts. But uh, Fun facts. To kind of set the table for the episode, last year we kind of haphazardly did um, a Christmas special where you talked about some like origin stories of Christmas songs and um, some fun facts. Some fun facts. And I talked about the Pogues fairy tale yeah. of New York. And um, it, was a, it was a fun episode and it got like serious traction for us this year. And we, we were like shocked people at how many people the, were listening to it. In the holiday spirit, the rock and roll holiday spirit we must have gotten some kind of algorithm going because like it it went it went uh much better than most of our episodes so we said why not you know capitalize on our (laughs) success and do (laughs) another one why not why not why not i ask you Mm. so we're gonna do a few christmas songs um and do the same kind of format so i know you picked some out i did how are you feeling you want to go first you want me to go first some kind of quick ones i guess i pulled one where um <laughs> uh have yourself a merry little christmas was apparently um so it was written for uh the musical meet me in st lou with Ju- judy garland you love judy garland i i love that song i love that version of it she's got a great voice and um it was Didn't, isn't that the one that you showed us at the thanksgiving party where she's like sitting in the window like Ooh. yeah she's in the window yeah and there's the, cre- the girl with the creepy dolls behind yeah her. that's supposed to be her little sister oh. or something oh, no. so um it was penned by a guy named hugh martin for a scene in the movie musical um and Judy Garland is singing it to her little sister, trying to cheer her up. They're having a hard time because uh, their family's going to move away from their hometown. Um, but the director and Garland heard Hugh Martin's version of it and were like, that's so fucking depressing. Like, I guess some of the original <laughs> lyrics, so he ch- ended up changing the lyrics. I don't know if you knew that. But some of the uh, uh, li- original lyrics um, were, have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last <laughs> faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us no more like everyone's dying oh so he just flipped it so it got a little yeah so he initially was like refused to change the lyrics was like it's a perfect song um but then he talked to um actor tom drake and he said you stupid son of a bitch you're gonna foul up your life if you don't write another verse of that song eventually he gave it a more hopeful leaning um and then Later, uh, opposed to this film, uh, when Judy Garland sang it, uh, Frank Sinatra, 
wanted to sing it in 1957. And so for just a quick, quick little bullet point. He Judy revised. Garland, that was the first time that it was sung in public. Yeah, it was singing in, in the film. Was or they the call Judy it a Garland 1944 version. movie musical Meet Me in St. Louis. And the lyrics are changed to be like, oh, wow. you know. Yeah, I had no idea that Judy Garland to us, was the first they'll be one. Dear, they'll be near to us once more instead of no more, like never again. I don't know. It's very doom and gloom. <laughs> and then um, he actually changed the line, we'll have to muddle through somehow, for Frank to hang a shining star upon the highest bow. So that's not in the original song. They changed it. Um, yeah, and then my I one really quick one that I have just because it's in the same thing. Is you that go, you want to go after mine? We can talk about sure because I lost it, so that's good. Go ahead. <laughs> have yourself a merry little Christmas. That was um, one of my more favorite Christmas songs as oh, a kid. Same. I think I actually sang it in choir. Like we did, we did I feel together? like I did. It's very you possible. On piano? Um, no, not me on piano. I, no, it was definitely our fearless choir teacher Keith Coppage on piano for that. You did play piano once when we sang, but I it did, was. But uh, it was. I'm lonely, but I ain't that lonely yet. And that one's really easy. And we it's still so do slow. it. We do it faster now, but it was yeah, so slow. Yeah, I never slow. really thought about that. And my so. inability made it go way slower. Oh, I, like, I thought you were you were good. Just so slow. But um, how do you feel about that? Judy Garland scene. I remember you were showing it to me because you're like, this is like, you know, we were doing our rock concert thing that we always do. And Why we did doing... I put that on? <laughs> well, it was pretty late on Thanksgiving. <laughs> what? Dad kept on stealing the cue. Oh, you know yeah. I don't think he knows that. Yeah. <laughs> it was cute. Um, we had to keep gosh. on checking him like, Dad, you jumped the cue again. <laughs> so funny i don't know why i threw that on maybe it was like yeah interesting i remember that all i remember about that is her like singing through a window and then there's a frightening doll it's still fucking depressing like it's like he he made it happier and it's still like the saddest just her voice she's got like a super like yeah warbly warbly yeah and it's just sad and I don't know. <laughs> that one fucking is fucking sad. Well, it's not as sad as this one that I'm going to do. Because Ooh, <laughs> this one. What's this one? So I was actually doing research. And when I say research, I use that term as loosely as possible. Mm -hmm. um, when I was doing research for another song, this popped up. And it's um, Do They Know It's Christmas. Um, and the, oh, yeah. And the kind of weird tragedy um, slash misunderstanding. Um, and just kind of the dark history of that song and, and where it led to so do they know it's christmas is a kind of a condescending title yeah. <laughs> for do talking they about no <laughs> talking about the starving people of ethiopia and africa in oh, general so who came up with that it was, <laughs> was like you know what they probably don't even fucking know it's well, christmas it let's, was written let's in sing about that it was 1984 and it was oh, written no. by bob geldorf who's a producer for live aid and all that kind of stuff oh, okay. you might know it from like the live aid concert yeah basically a lot of the money for all this stuff was getting funneled into what i'm about to talk about which is yeah a really you've all seen freddie mercury yet and an incredible performance at live aid or what's his name doing it in the movie you've seen it yeah <laughs> so i need to click on this link because it was a who's who of people singing on this song let me click on this link really quick so i can i know our boy george michael's in there right? yeah george michael's, george michael's so, there um robert bell from cool in the gang bono u2 uh Pete Briquette, the Boomtown Rats, Adam Clayton, you too, Phil Collins, um, Criss Cross. Is that the, the, <laughs> dude, Criss Cross, isn't that the rapper where they wore the clothes backwards? Probably. Oh my gosh. Simon it was 1984. Crow. It was a wild time. Man, I don't even know. I could be totally wrong here. Anyway, um, Boy George. Uh, oh yeah. I'm trying to. Boy George and George oh, Michael. S Simon Le Bon from Duran Duran. Uh, it just says Marilyn. I, oh, I no. guess that's Peter Robinson. He's a British Jamaican pop singer. I was like, who the heck is Marilyn? Mm -hmm. uh, and then George Michael, and mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. All the big famous. I don't ones. know if there was like a super cool like guitar player or something, but uh, oh wait, there's a spoken message on the B side from uh, Paul McCartney and David Bowie. So that's fun. Oh, uh, how about that? All right. Anyway, back to the story. Um, so those were all the people who were singing on it, and they all had right. their own little verses, or they like contributed the the chorus or whatever. And um, basically, the single went number one for 
the UK in 1984, and it stayed there for the entire holiday season. And um, basically, listeners were told that if they bought this song, that oh, the proceeds no. would help the starving people of Ethiopia. Oh, no. And yeah, all they had to do was purchase uh, Do They Know It's Christmas? And, and that's one of the main reasons why it went so huge in you know, people. So everyone's like, that, "I'll buy it because I'm donating." Yeah, because it's like the spirit of Christmas. You're helping those in need, I feel and like this is going and uh, in a bad direction. It goes in a bad direction. <laughs> it is worse than you ever will. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so the producer and writer uh, Bob Geldof, I think that's how you say it. Um, I think he had pure intentions at the time of doing it, mm-hmm. but the problem is he didn't really do his homework or his due diligence on where the money was going and how it was being spent. Yeah. So fundraising it's tough. There's so, a lot of details. Yeah, so there's a lot of details. <laughs> so he basically just handed um, the then president of Ethiopia, and I think I'm going to butcher the same as well. It's Mangistu Halle Merriam. Okay. Mangistu is just how I'm going to say it. And if I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. Um, so he just basically handed this check to this guy who was Do the you know president. How much? Uh, I think it was over $10 million. Oh, it shit. might have been even more than that. Uh, in the eight, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, I mean, um, it's number one song. In the, yeah. Yeah. And so, it don't and so what I guess old Bob didn't know when he like handed this check over that Ethiopia was in the middle of a civil war. So instead of using the money for food, um, Mangistu basically used it to purchase weapons for his army Uh, that was trying to suppress the rebels. Again, it's a civil war, so it's like a civil uprising, you know? (laughs) Oh, bless you. Sorry. So he's trying to suppress these rebels, and the way that he's doing it... Is with the money that George Michael made. Yes. yes. (laughs) He's spending it on weapons and napalm, and oh, he's God. using the napalm to create famine in Ethiopia because he's oh, burning all the fields and, and basically suppressing its people. It's like a tactic they use in North Korea where they like keep their people starving because starving people don't think about rebellion. They just think about eating. Oh, so it's like he is basically the say, you know, feed the children of Ethiopia, or, you know, f- feed Africa, all, everything that was going on back then. They were literally contributing to the opposite of it. They were contributing to someone Ugh. starving his own people and, you know, creating... When did that... Do you know dirt. when it kind of came out? That so, yes, I, I absolutely do. So, yeah, he was suppressing his own people, and um, it wasn't until Spin broke the story, and I actually got this, um, most of this information from a, a new Spin article, which I can um, put in the description um, about this, but... In 1986, editor-in-chief Bob Guccione Jr. um, kind of produced a piece about where the money was actually going. And um, he says, People didn't want to believe that Live Aid inadvertently caused more suffering and death than the mostly man-made famine and war. They wanted to keep the fairy tale that buying a record and donating while watching the world's biggest rock stars perform was fixing a problem. Yeah. So... I mean, it, it would have easily been prevented had Bob Geldorf done, like, a little bit of research mm-hmm. and actually, like, asked the people who were fighting on the front lines and trying to help the people, like, how to best yeah. allocate this money. And, I mean, also helping a, a country that's in the middle of a brutal civil war without knowing any details of what the tactics are is, like, just pretty unforgivable, honestly. Yeah. He was even knighted. Oh, um, what? <laughs> so Sir Bob Geldof. Um, where did I put? He was knighted soon afterwards, which is hilarious to me. Um, and no, he hasn't ever had the knighthood revoked because I, I do think that Live Aid did a lot of incredible stuff. Yeah. But I mean, this is kind of like the dark history of the song that no one ever talks about. Well, no wonder it's not, you know, blasting through the Macy's speakers every year. I've literally <laughs> never heard it in my life. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of weird Christmas songs. So now that all this history has come out and it's under the like the spotlight more or whatever, they've actually changed some of the lyrics, which now in hindsight seem like super tone deaf. Oh. So Bono's famous line, well, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. <laughs> so that was the original line. Um, Fucking Bono, <laughs> man. So oh. now it's... Tonight we're reaching out and touching you. I wonder where he got that from. That's they're both (laughs) terrible. Tonight we're reaching out and touching. 
I think he just stole that. That's so bad. From Sweet Caroline. Yeah, it's it's weird there, and it's weird in this. Yeah. Oh God. And then uh, there's a line: "There won't be snow in Africa," and that was changed because, of course, there isn't snow in Africa. There just isn't snow in yeah. Africa. So, not because of I love how the article it said not because of some Christmas Christmas related climate disaster. <laughs> Like, they made it sound like in the song that it's not going to snow in Africa this year. It should, but it won't. It would if they were Christian. And, Somebody uh, wrote this song on cocaine in five minutes. Just yeah. like, the first ideas, first drafts here. And uh, one of Good the Lord. bigger faux pas, I guess, is ignoring the third of Ethiopians who are Muslim. And, of course, they know it's Christmas, but they just don't celebrate it. Yeah. And also the overall condescending title. Like, it's, do it's, they even it's, know it's Christmas? Do they even like, know? It's, <laughs> oh, it's, so bad. It's, it's tough. And anyway, that was... Uh, so that's what happened there, and the original song is still receiving a lot of annual radio play. I don't know what that is quantifiably. I've literally never yeah, heard it. I you started playing it. Really, well, first of all, it's not. A, it's bad. It's honestly not a great song. It starts <laughs> off like it starts off very like atmospheric, and like they're using all these effects and and like, and then it kind of gets there eventually. But it's just so. It's just it doesn't really seem that great to me. Um, and it has been remade twice in two thousand and four and two thousand fourteen. And they also were for charity, which is kind just of a let funny. sleeping dogs <laughs> lie, yeah, you know. Just, just re, charity. just write your own fucking song. Like, why do we have to bring this back to life? Uh, yeah. So well, that's th- a that's, that's a travesty. The, that's the kind of dark, the dark reality behind the song. Do they know it's Christmas? Wow, just such a bad title, and so many do people's name attached. Do they even know? <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't. I don't get oh, it. Oh God. But yeah, Bono. Bono really thought he was doing a good. Th- I mean, in all fairness, I think they all had the best intentions. They just. Uh, I'm sure they didn't know what. Yeah. When you're handing a, a check over to someone, you generally want to know check. where that's going to. Like maybe like you get a itemized list of like where the money is going. And apparently, like they also did spend a lot of money, like in other relief efforts, to help. Yeah. But the obviously the the president was more interested in starving his people than feeding them so he would feed his army with the food and then just let the rest like rot on on the docks and oh, stuff God. just brutal just brutal stuff and uh God, greed empowerment makes you do fucked up shit yeah so when you hear that song just casually look over to your partner and tell them this is actually what fueled a genocide in <laughs> no I mean, it's actually not that far off from being it's true. It's not, though, no. yeah. But anyway, pretty dark stuff. And now we're going to lighten it up, right, Emily? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about Vietnam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was way better. And John Lennon. Um, there we go. So I was curious about the uh, John Lennon's Christmas song because I have been hearing uh, Paul McCartney's Christmas song over and over and over and over again. And so I was just going to... Simply having wonderful Christmas time. Yeah, I saw in an article today that, that that's like... I mean, of course, it was Fox News article, but they were uh, saying it was one of the worst Christmas... Considered one of the I worst Christmas songs. I don't think it's that bad. I just think it's it's it came out in 79, I think. And they're like just coming into the 80s and messing with these like funky recording things. So it starts off with just like computers beep booping like do 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 do. It just sounds weird. I don't know. For me, it's more the repetition than the production. The repetition is what you're just like. I feel like he's beating me in the head with a chair. The hood is a. I think it's a good song. I think we've just heard it seven million times. But anyway, I was like, you know, the first Beatle to release a Christmas song was John. Um, and so I was just kind of looking into what happened before that song came out. So here's one thing that I did not know. So before we get to, uh, John writing happy Christmas more is over with Yoko. Um, I didn't know this, but from 1963 to 1969, when the Beatles are still fully the Beatles, uh, the Beatles were issuing special recordings during Christmas time to members of their fan club. So they were recording these weird it was like the patreon of the day yeah but they were like these little they're called i think flexi discs they look like tiny little vinyls like the shape of a cd well i don't really know the size but they're like they basically mail these out and i saw one of the covers and it's like them in santa hats kind of like a 45 or something yes yeah something like that 
Flexidis, I think. Um, Sounds futuristic. And so around, so the reason that they did this is because they received so much mail from their fans and they couldn't answer all of it. So they were just like, let's just have this fan club and just everyone in that club gets, uh, may, I don't know if you pay that for it or like whatever. Sounds like our problem that we're yeah, having right every, now. <laughs> everybody everybody uh, who's mad at us for not responding to their snail mail <laughs> Johnny, I love you so much. All that stuff um, is going to get a little record that says, you know, to our loyal, to loyal Beatle people. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, the records included the Beatles' messages of thanks to quote loyal Beatle people, along with skits, Christmas carols, oh man, and original compositions of Christmas songs. That's fun. How it's come we've never lit. heard this? The first Christmas recording from the Beatles featured several renditions of the traditional carol that I've never fucking heard of, "Good King." When Kislas. Isn't that the isn't that the oh come ye merry gentlemen? Is it? Isn't it that song? But like Good, it's called Good King Wenceslas. Wenceslas. Wenceslas? Yeah. I think it's just Wenceslas. Uh, and then individual messages ending with a closing chorus of Rudolph the Red Nosed Ringo. <laughs> oh, no, they do. yeah, they do Rudolph the Red Nosed Ringo. Um. Yeah, so, yeah, hold up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about it. I don't know. It's I don't know. Um, Sorry, I was off the mic there. No, you're fine. Uh, so I guess their uh, press manager, Tony Barrow, um, instigated this whole Christmas project, and he wrote the scripts and the skits and stuff that they were going to do for these little weird records. Um, so I was like, where where did these live now? I guess none of the original recordings uh, had been released until recently, 2017, December. They were released as a vinyl box set. Oh, and wow. I'm like, what? Who has this? Dude, we got to get that. Well, I just want to hear it. Um, so, yeah, so that was that was a little thing that the Beatles were doing for their fans that I just never heard of. So that's, that's kind of fun. Awesome. So that's my little opener. And then, um, let's see. So Happy Xmas War is Over. Um, it was released in 1971 as a single by John and Yoko Slash, the Plastic Ono Band, with the Harlem Community Choir. That sounds like a what, straight ripoff of uh, the the... Andy Warhol band. Oh, the pl- exploding plastic. Now, what the, the fuck ex- is that called? The exploding plastic inevitable. The it, you're right on it. Yeah, it's something, something like that. Like it's something that. plastic. <laughs> it was like the same timeline too. I don't know. Yeah, the John, plastic Ono band. And you were living in New York, John. Yeah. John. John, you can't hear you. John. Um. So he might not have been so living they released in New York. It, I don't know. Uh, it was the seventh song that John released solo after the Beatles. So it's his seventh and this is after imagine. Um, so it reached number four in the UK um, has, you know, uh, and then it reemerges every once in a while around Christmas time. And most notably after Lennon died in December, 1980, it peaked at number two, which is higher than it was when it first came out. Does that make sense? When it first came out, it hit number four in the UK. Okay. When John died, it hit number two. Oh, of course. Yeah. Wh- so, do you know what time of year he died? Uh, did, uh, when he, Lennon's death in December 1980. In December. Oh, so he died and then everyone was just like. Listening to. Yeah. Yeah. Of that, course. That's, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I know that, uh, so Imagine had come out in 1971. That's like his big post Beatles hit, right? Yeah. Um, and it was a super commercial success and it was heavy subject matter, but it was, you know, a really beautiful song. So Lennon is quoted as concluding. Now I understand what you have to do. Put your political messages across with a little honey. Well, isn't that just what all songwriters are doing? Politi- I don't know, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of He was great. trying to get very political. Like we, uh, we did a whole episode oh, yeah. Give me some truth. about get back, oh, blood, um, that we're going to release later yeah. rather than next because we wanted to do this one. But yeah, yeah. I remember he was like, uh, in in the first episode, he was definitely saying a lot of political things, like about the police and and stuff like yeah, that. It's, it's and you're like, fun. oh, he's already leaning that direction. As like kind of a revolutionary type figure. Yeah. So what I didn't know is that you know by the time this song came out, um, they say Wikipedia calls it the culmination of more than two years of peace activism undertaken by John Lennon and Yoko Ono that began with something called the bed-ins. 
that oh, they convened in March kinky. and May 1969. It's not. Oh, okay, good. Uh, the first of which Thank took God. place during their honeymoon. So that's ba- this is basically so... A, Yoko Ono was a performance artist before she got with John Lennon. She does Cut Piece, which is this piece um, where she basically sits on stage in like a black robe and she's got a piece of scissors in front of her and she invites the audience to come cut off a piece of her clothing. And they, there's a whole video of it online. Yeah. I studied it in college. Anyway, um, so she she's not a stranger. My point bringing that up is she's not a stranger to like performance art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if this kind of rides the line between like performance art and like protest is what they call it but the quote-unquote bed-ins are sort of like basically modeled after like a sit-in like a peaceful sit-in protest Mm -hmm. you know um but so they knew that their march 20th 1969 wedding was going to be like a big fucking deal so for press so wait so they they needed a venue for their bed-in so i'm gonna yeah so basically the first one they were getting married and they knew that it was going to be like a big press event. So they decided to promote world peace with this by spending their honeymoon in the presidential suite at the Amsterdam Hilton hotel for a week, March between March 25th and 31st in 1969. So they get married and then they do this, this week long sit uh, bed in, in the honeymoon suite. And they invited the world's press into their hotel room for this, for this week of quote unquote press basically. Um, and because they've just released this album, uh, that it's called the two virgin album. It's the one with their butts on it where they're like facing yeah, of course. and they're naked. So yeah, yeah. the press <laughs> has just seen that. So they're like, Oh, now they've just gotten married and they're spending a week in bed for their honeymoon. We're going to go film them like having sex. That's literally what they think <laughs> is going to happen. And then they get, hey, if, if someone, and then they get there. <laughs> oh man. And it's, not and that. it's just John and Yoko sitting in pajamas <laughs> in their like white bed, um, just uh, in Lennon's words, like angels, they're all in white, talking about peace and talking about the war with signs over their bed. I saw a picture that's hilarious. It's them in a bed, like sitting up, and there's a big glass window behind them, and they've like taped pieces of paper, th- and one says hair piece, like H A. I R piece and then one says bed piece. <laughs> I just want to show you this photo. Yeah, we gotta show me this it's photo. So good. Um also so they did that um in uh let's see, they did the bed ins in uh the Hotel Amsterdam and then one at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal, each of with each of which were nonviolent protests against the wars and they were experimenting with new new ways to like protest and promote peace and and get attention for mm-hmm. it. And then they also um, had a bunch of billboards that I've never heard of these. In December 1969, Lennon and Ono spread their messages of peace with billboards reading, quote, war is over, explanation point, if you want it. Happy Christmas from John and Yoko. These billboards went up in 11 major world cities. So this is, they're kind of doing like a grassroots thing, but they have the money to kind of like get more interesting ways of getting awesome, the message though. they out. had their hearts in the right place at least they 100%. weren't just funneling money to uh the Viet Cong or something yeah it's the opposite of that yeah um so yeah and then you know that all cul- that two years of that kind of stuff culminates with um with happy Christmas war is over coming out and yeah uh, the song itself it opens up with them saying happy Christmas to each of their children from their first marriages um and then when I guess guess who produced this song? Um, I'll give you a hint. Phil Spector. I was like, you oh, shot a woman in the face. Um, yeah, it's Phil Spector. Yes. Um, when Lennon first played his demo for Phil Spector, uh, Phil remarked that the opening line, so this is Christmas, was rhythmically identical to the 1961 single, I love how you love me. I'm assuming that's how it goes. By the Paris sisters. Um which Spectre had also produced. So he's calling him out there. And then we called him out last year. We did call him out. Uh, because Happy Christmas, War is Over are similar to the traditional English ballad, uh, most famously done by Peter, Paul, and Mary. Uh, Stewball was a racehorse. Or is yeah. it Stewball? It's Stewball. Stewball. It's like uh, I talked about in the last episode. Maybe you yeah. should go listen to the last one. So I'll wrap it up by saying that... Um, 
Yeah, Happy Xmas War is Over would be followed by the other Beatles doing their own Christmas songs. George Harrison in 1974 was the second Beatle to release a Christmas song, besides not including their Beatles songs. Ding Dong, Ding Dong. Never heard that in my life. Have you ever heard that? No. We got to listen to it. And then Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time, 1979. And then Ringo Starr's album. Oh. Album. Oh, wow. (laughs) Quote, I Want to Be Santa Claus that came out in 1999. Quantity, baby. Get the quantity I, out there. Yeah. So it so might be quality too. I don't that's know. That's the that's the story of War is Over, and I will show you the picture. Oh yeah, show me that picture of the Bedins. Uh, here they are. Oh, that's kind of nice. It's they have a, cute. They have a great view from from the back. Yeah, I mean, um, it's their yeah, it's their little honeymoon, and he's got his little guitar out. It's a little funereal. I don't know if it's the flowers. It like is they're a in a casket funereal. or something. Oh, that's kind of creepy. Hair piece, bed piece. He's got a little tape recorder. And they're, yeah, they're just doing press junkets basically from their bed. And all these creepy press dudes are like, they might, you know, maybe they're going to be having they're sex. They're like, God dang it. <laughs> what a letdown. They're like, nope, they're just hanging out. Oh, <laughs> I like yeah. John and Yoko. Anyway, so that's Happy Christmas. Yeah, it's funny. I, I didn't realize that. British people didn't say Merry Christmas like we say happy Merry Christmas. Christmas. They say Happy Christmas because I told a, uh, one of my students Happy Christmas and he's like, you're not British. It's Merry Christmas. Uh, and I was like. From the mouths of babes. I was like, <laughs> it's whatever I want it to be. Yeah, kids are fun, man. But they I thought it was hilarious. Say the first thing that comes in their head. I was like, all right, well, Merry New Year then. And he was like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> he was so mad. Uh, but oh, anyway. man. Um, so my next one um, is another British band's Christmas tune, Ooh. and it's uh, "Thank God It's Christmas" by Queen. Oh, I love so we, this. So we we promised some B sides, and yeah. we haven't really delivered. We just done blazing A sides <laughs> so far. But I did kind of have a B side, but I didn't. Uh, eh, I wasn't as excited about it. I could still. Anyway. Yeah, this is one that I've never heard of actually until this year when our friends from the UK, um, a band called The Distance, they released their version of this song for Christmas. So it's oh, on yeah. Bandcamp. So if you want to go check them out, they're The Distance, I think. And um, I was like, I didn't know Queen wrote a song, and it sounds super religious, right? Yeah. So thank God it's Christmas. But it's not really like all about praising God or whatever. It's more about like enjoying um, the holidays after a hard year, basically, yeah. is, is what it's about. But um, it was mostly written by Brian May and Roger Taylor. And it was released also, I th- God, was my other one released in 1984? Yeah, they're both released in 1984. Oh, shit. So this one and the uh, Live Aid song. So that was probably the one that was super popular. And um, this is what Brian May said about it in an in an interview with Ultimate Classic Rock. This was Roger Taylor's composition, mainly, except he didn't have a chorus. So I contributed the chorus, and we worked on it together to cut a long story short. And then, when it was almost finished, we presented it to Freddie, who loved it and did a beautiful vocal. I think it's just the most understated vocal, and I love it. So he was really happy with it, it sounds like. And um, Freddie does have a really nice vocal performance on it. Um, but it did not catch on very well at all. I'll pull up the lyrics. Um, it peaked at number 21 on the UK charts, mm. and that was it. It basically, I think it charted maybe next year at like like way worse than that, and then kind of just disappeared into the ether. Um, and to that, you know, Brian May, to now this is like him reflecting on the lack of success and whatnot. He says, well, I'm very fond of it. I think it's a very different kind of Christmas song. Unlike some of the cheerier Christmas song, Thank God It's Christmas is about appreciating the holiday after struggling through a difficult year. So kind of, I guess I kind of paraphrase him earlier. Yeah. So another thing that's weird is this song, well, it's a reason why Brian May thinks and like his conspiracy theory for why it didn't do well initially mm. is one, they never put it on any record or album well, yeah, that'll at do all. It. Yeah. So nothing like that. And two... Um, there was no like promotional video, mm-hmm. and back in the eighties, you know, MTV, like that yeah. whole thing, everything well, had even, a music uh, video. Even John's Happy Christmas had a music video. It's yeah. weird, but they had one. So almost ev- everything had a video, and they didn't have they didn't have a record or a video. And I think that's kind of due to the 
the not initial lack yeah. of success. Not great marketing. Because I've I've heard the song. It's um. It's not a bad song. It's a it's beautiful, beautiful. It is yeah. a beautiful it's, Freddie it's Mercury. Very, it's very slow. It's very much a ballad. Mm. Oh my friends, it starts. It's on. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there was a video that actually got uploaded by the band in 2019, their official YouTube channel. Whoa. But it is such a. It is such is a just tough like a video. Slideshow? No, it's like an animated video of like oh, no. basically imagine like the slowest drone on planet Earth going around like Sim City and uh, like peeking in on different Dude, who's holiday parties for marketing for Queen. Right I now? have no idea, but it is maybe one of the worst music videos <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Oh. It's like. It's like oh, the metaverse, no. but you're not in the metaverse. You're just in like a really slowed version oh, of a drone. No. But yeah, it's it's tough. But you can you can find it on their official channel if you want to see it. Um, and this this song kind of has almost like a it has a like a, a triple feel for sure. And it's almost like a bolero, like little drummer boy kind of. It almost has that feel, but in a, a slightly different boy. time. Drummer, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Not reggae drummer boy. The drummer boy. But uh, I, I like the song a lot. I think it should get a little bit more recognition. So if you're looking for a new song to put on a Christmas list, there you go. There you go. Thank God it's Christmas by, by Queen. Queen. And yeah, you know by what? Queen. You know what Spotify playlist it's on? Oh. Radio Keys presents a rock and roll. Is it really? Christmas. Yeah. Oh, I, nice. I, I, yeah. It's on there from last year. Um, last year. We've uh, we've collected a bunch of kind of obscure and fun or like different covers of Christmas yeah. songs. There's a lot of really blue, good. like old bluesy Christmas, Christmas like Christmas from j- yeah Christmas in jail. Um, there's Loretta Lynn doing um, to heck with old Santa Claus. There's just some funky ones. Yeah, there's our friends in uh, Sabretooth Unicorn. Hey, mommy, where's Santa? Where's Santa? And that I just listened to that whole record again. Um, it's called Hail Santa, which is one of my <laughs> fa- one of my favorite. That's so good. Yeah, it's called Hail Santa. Hail Santa, because it's the same name, really. And it yeah, it's basically like mostly like gritty Ramon style punk rock. Yeah. Um, but that one is a standout, and it's a lot more. Uh, weird and atmospheric with like uh, yeah. synth leads and stuff and it, it's just such a good song and a lot of those songs are really good so uh, shout out to Vince and Sabretooth Unicorn because that uh, was one of our favorite Christmas songs last year and um, that album I just kind of gave it another listen this year and it's so check good it out. and they actually have a brand new one too which I have listened to once but I need to listen to more and uh, so again Shout out to Sabretooth Unicorn. You can get it on their Bandcamp or on Spotify or whatever. So, um, so I, I have one more. I, I discovered this song last year, and I might have mentioned it, but I didn't talk too much about it. I was gonna, I was briefly gonna think about talking about the the weird freaking Bob Dylan Christmas album that he released with like "Must Be Santa" on it, but I I listened to it and I was just kind of horrified with it. So, um, one of my favorite Christmas songs that's on an album that's not a Christmas record, but I think it's a Christmas song, is by. One of the greatest Americana songwriters of all time, Mr. Paul Simon. So he has a song that he released in 2011. It's on his 12th studio album. It's this the first track on this record. It's a normal record, but the first track on this record and the single off this record, which I've never really s- seen done before, is a Christmas song, and it's called "Getting Ready for Christmas Day." And it's kind of in the same. It's kind of in the same vein of like all those really. I've noticed like in like american christmas songwriting especially like there's a theme of like like i'll be home for christmas like you know there's this romance of christmas at home and then there's always like the troops or like people yeah you know missing out on it or, or like daddy we're walked at, we're out to get fucking, some milk and never came yeah back. we're at war <laughs> or like something you know like war is over um so this is this is kind of like that um it's a great it's great lyrics um he opens up talking about how um you know, during the holiday season, he's got, I think he says, money matters bringing me down. And he says, and the day I work the day day shift and the night I work the night shift. Like, he's basically like a hardworking blue collar kind of person. This is Paul Simon, you know, writer of Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. He likes those kind of 
I mean, you clearly know, from the blue collar you know, guy. Yeah, clearly. I mean, he's not, but he, I think Rough he, hands, you know, I mean. relates to that. And um, so this whole song, "Getting Ready for Christmas Day," it's uh, it's kind of cool. It's it's the song throughout. Well, we should listen to it after, but it's built around a sample recorded in 1941. It's a recording of a reverend preaching about Christmas, and the reverend is Reverend J. M. Gates. And uh, he keeps saying at the end of each phrase, getting ready for Christmas Day. And he's talking about all the, I want you to bear in mind all the people. It's like this kind of wild sermon um, about all the different people in the world, people in the jails and people, all the people that are celebrating. Anyway, so he kind of built the song around that. So those little clips come in. Um, And then the, the second verse is about uh, him having a nephew in Iraq it's his third time back and like he'll be lucky if he gets to eat turkey dinner in Pakistan. So he's like, he's kind of using the same tradition of like, let's remember like that we're at war. Let's remember that we have like young kids overseas. Let's remember all this stuff during the holidays. Yeah. If that he, makes sense. He's also not one to shy away from using like words like Pakistan in his songs. Yeah. Or like uh, yeah. just having like really colorful lyricism that yeah. goes by really quickly. Yeah. Very it's, flowing, rapid. Yeah. And um, yeah. And he, so he's, I guess, uh, I guess um, he actually did have a nephew in Iraq. Paul Simon did when he wrote the song too. So that was kind of close Hopefully to home. Hopefully he's okay. Yeah. I hope so. Um, and yeah, he, it was just his favorite song. Um, yeah. It refus- rep. Uh, References his nephew who served multiple tours in the Iraq war in the early 2000s. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a great freaking song. It's a groovy ass Paul Simon song. It's called getting ready for Christmas day. That's the refrain. And um, yeah, it's just about sort of like working Americans having a hard time through the holiday, I guess, but it's really upbeat and fun. So enjoy. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. Uh, is it for, on our playlist? It's on our playlist. Oh, nice, yeah. Nice. It's, it's, it's killer Get on there. So if you go to our, uh, profile on spotify you'd be able to find our playlist and then we have a christmas playlist on there yeah so radio keys yeah so i i've been like the last i've i was always a big simon and garfunkel fan when i was like a teenager and the last like couple years i've been getting more into paul simon's solo stuff he's just a brilliant fucking songwriter like he's just yeah it's it's he he was uh i mean he was a mastermind behind simon and garfunkel too i remember hearing stories oh, yeah. that he would get like really frustrated <laughs> with Garfunkel. Um, I, I I think I think he's probably a little tough to work with. <laughs> I, too, he's probably a, a perfectionist. Someone like that. Yeah. Who uh has general it's it's people who generally have the best ideas mm-hmm. and then they just always assume that they have the best ideas. You yeah. know, it's like they don't look at each idea as like its own merit. You know, they're kind of yeah. just like, I generally have the best ideas, so I'm just gonna, you know, brashly go for my point and yeah. and kind of disregard other people's ideas because yeah. mine's generally the best and i don't yeah. know he well, might be that kind of guy I, I know a lot of creatives are like that they yeah. they have a tough time letting go of the other side of creativity you know yeah. yeah but anyway to bring this one home yeah i have uh it's pretty i mean it's pretty cheap entertainment here but it's kind of fun oh, yeah. it's uh firing round wait what's it called lightning round yeah lightning round <laughs> This was from um, Mix 96 Sacramento. It was like a radio station. They like posted this about 10 fun Christmas songs, which yeah. they actually stole from a BuzzFeed Sacramento. article. So they're ju- we're getting all the quality. We're all uh, stealing from everybody. Yep. All the qu- quality journalism here all in one. All right. So here are the 10 facts about Christmas songs that I found on this super random article. Here nice. we go. So the first one is All I Want for Christmas of You was written in 15 minutes by... 20,000 people. It, like <laughs> <laughs> the 20,000 people, people got together. Yeah, the people who wrote it, it's seriously like 12 people on the Which to me makes some might think credits, Oh. Yeah. Some might think, "Oh, well there were a lot of people, a lot of ideas in the room, so that's why it was so fast." My brain goes, "Too many cooks, too many yeah. cooks in the kitchen." So I'm more impressed that they finished that song and landed on it within Well, it's one of those situations too where so many people. everyone's working with Mariah Carey and they're like, "This is going to be a giant hit. Let me get my slice of the pie." They yeah. want their royalties. And that yeah, song, it was probably like two guys, or it was probably like one guy, and then someone was like, "Well, we should write this little line here." You yeah. know, it's like. Someone did the heavy lift, lifting, and all these people had their ideas that mm-hmm. might have gotten adopted. 
Um, but the song has earned Mariah $60 million in royalties. So Good for her. Yeah, huge <laughs> song. And uh, my wife's favorite Christmas song this year is an aloe black version of this song. Ooh. All I want for Christmas, yeah, is you. Ooh. It's, it's way more groovy. It has a funky little instrument, kind of like... Uh, the keyboard from Cripple Creek, you know that. Oh, yeah, there's some weird like keyboard in it the whole time, which kind of throws it off a little bit at, in spots. But it's a really good song, regardless. Mm. Cool, and cool. obviously, it was hugely popular for Mariah. All right, Brenda Lee. When she recorded "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree," she was 13 years old. I know you yes. probably knew that, but a lot of I people think don't we know said that. Said it in the last one, oh, to be honest. No. But it's okay. Oh, it's okay. It's We're okay. We're reminding you. Oh no. <laughs> Brenda Lee was 13 years old. so She doesn't sound 13, racking around. She sounds like a, like no. a jaded housewife <laughs> from the 50s. It's different times. 20 million cigarettes different and times martinis. Back then. I'm sure. I'm she sure. Sound, yeah. All right. Jingle Bells is over 150 years old. Ooh. It was published in 1857 and was intended to be a Thanksgiving song, not a Christmas song. It doesn't make any sense. Again, I've done no, no fact-checking fact here. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. So I guess during Thanksgiving, it's already maybe snowing, so they're yeah. talking about going on a sleigh ride. I mean, they've got to be somewhere cold. Dude, there are no Thanksgiving songs, and the one Thanksgiving song, Christmas stole it, was like, fuck <laughs> it, we're going to make it a Christmas song. It was such a smash hit <laughs> that they just carried it through. They're like, the Thanksgiving? Yeah. No, uh, Amber said that last year on Thanksgiving. She's like, there's no Thanksgiving songs to put on, and I was like, yeah, I guess not. Yeah. They had one and they lost it to Big Christmas. Big Christmas. Big Christmas. <laughs> big Christmas. All right. So the fourth fact. Uh, Thurl Ravenscroft, um, he sang, You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Yeah. Did that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also the voice of Tony the Tiger. Oh. You know, Frosted Flakes or, or whatever. That checks. Yeah, for 50 years he was the voice of Tony the Tiger. And uh, Disneyland him. fans will know him as the best second from the left. As the bust second from the left. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Ooh. Disneyland fans will know him <laughs> as the bust second from the left on in the Haunted Mansion. Oh, okay. So that's Oh, he's like, uh, what's it called? Immortalized. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. What was Tony the Tiger's little thing that he says? They're great. Oh, it's totally, yeah. Same yeah. guy. Same oh, that's guy. fun. Same guy. All right. I think we actually talked about this one last year as well, but it's funny. Whatever, we're recapping. <laughs> Irving Berlin wrote the song White Christmas and hated Elvis's version so much he tried to get it banned from the radio. Remember, oh, we did talk about that last year. You know what I year. read today when I was, was looking so for... That was so funny. When I was looking for Christmas facts, I read on Ranker, it was supposed to be like sad origins for Christmas songs, and White Christmas, so Irving Berlin wrote it, who's Jewish, wrote it for... Um, uh, play or something but it ended up and it never that never happened and then it ended up in the movie white christmas and apparently he had a son i'm gonna butcher this because i'm remembering this from something i read <laughs> earlier but he had a son so he doesn't, he's jewish there. he doesn't celebrate <laughs> christmas but he had a son that died as an infant like uh three months old i think and he was um he died on christmas day so irving berlin would always um visit his grave on christmas and this is so sad. So him writing White Christmas, I guess maybe maybe that song he attaches with his dead. And Elvis song. was quite the uh, controversial yeah. character back in the 50s or whenever that song came out. So yeah, he was the really the Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> he was really the Island Boys of his generation. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. All right, so this is a fun one. Ooh. Silver Bells was originally called Tinkle Bell. Well, that's bad. That's a bad name. Tinkle and the writer, Bells. The, the, writer, the, writer, the writer changed it after his wife mentioned the double meaning of the word tinkle. You know, like, ooh, that's so bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But whenever bells. I hear Silver Bells, it's, a jo- it's such a bad joke, but like, um, it's what I always do with Amber, and it cracks her up every time. As I, I sing it like super lispy, like it's Christmas time <laughs> in the shitty. 
So stupid. It's Christmas time in the shitty. Yeah. I think I heard one artist do it like that one time, and I've never been able you to unhear it. You just can't let it go. You know how some like artists kind of like shaky graves? They always go like shush, uh, like when yeah. they're singing. Yeah. It's um. I don't know why people do that when they. Charlie Crockett gets a little lispy. He doesn't do the shush thing. I think but he does. The I think her thing. his was the production of his record because in mm. his one album lonesome as a shadow mm. it's way more pronounced than the other one so i think they had like a ds around that was working overtime so it just oh straight yeah up. yeah anyway um so seven the chipmunk song oh, is still no. the only christmas song to ever hit number one on the billboard hot 100 the only that seems off to me I, it might be true but that seems off to me i can't believe that like right well we just learned that Happy Christmas, even when John Lennon died what about Mariah? in December. Oh, Mariah what about Mariah Carey? Carey's? No, she this has to. Be right. This can't be right. This can't be right. That's an old fact. Mariah Carey's definitely hit. Well, number one on Billboard. Period. It's, she's gotta. All right. Yeah. Has yeah. Mariah Carey's. It says that on the quick Google Google search I did right now. Anyway, it's gotta. Please be. audit us, audience. That's your job. Slide into the deep. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, slide into the deep. (laughs) (laughs) Do you hear what I hear? This is number eight. Oh, yeah. It was written as a call for peace during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. Yeah. Which I'm sure was a terrifying time to be in the United States. Notice the theme. Could you imagine? Yeah. They're just like, oh, by the way, there's a bunch of nukes. like Just dropping. (laughs) Right off the coast. When what year was that? Nineteen sixty-two. Wow. Nineteen sixty-two. Do you hear what I hear? Jesus. Classic. Classic. So Eartha Kitt did a follow-up to Santa Baby the next year, hmm. called what? This Year's Santa Baby. What? She has a <laughs> sequel. And it was Why the same no song. One ever heard <laughs> <laughs> Literally the same song with different lyrics, and it flopped. Horrible. Oh, so what I'm Eartha gonna do Kid. right now, really quick, is look up this song. The lyrics. second, yeah, the, the second up. lyrics. We're doing this on the on the fly. Cause her first Santa Baby is, I mean, the, the Santa yeah. Baby. I must admit that you were a dear last year, but December oh, is here. Oh, so no. the Cadillac is falling apart. It won't start. A private plane would be smart. Cause I, it's kind of on the same. Wavelength wow, as start. Brilliant lyrics. Um, so yeah. hurry down the chimney. Though the yacht was rather chic, now it's really shot. Last week it sprang a leak, and so please now hold your breath. Buy me the Queen Elizabeth. Damn, wow. just she's going, going for, for it. it. Going for it. Do you know how much yachts are? Just yacht. She's saying her yacht's not good enough. No, it's not. That's wild. I mean, I um, guess that's the thing. <laughs> theme of the song. So then it's about the sable not being the right color. So please get her a you know a pink one, and a land. So please be my host to meet the Florida coast. Um, help me put out my pet charity, dude. Honestly, <laughs> these lyrics are more interesting than they're the more, first ones. They're more like more sardonic. Yeah. yeah, it's I, a little I more. Know. I mean, the other one I think was always kind of. Walking the fine line between being tongue in cheek and like being like kind of, kind of weird like gold digger vibes, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, this one is, is uh, definitely the most tongue in cheek, and maybe that's why it didn't do as well because it's like yeah. almost too tongue in cheek, right? And it's it's a little over the top, like a lot of, a lot it of. It looks stuff long. You're like scrolling I'm through still the lyrics. <laughs> that's anyway. probably its issue. Is it's just too freaking. And I long. thought this one was the funniest one of of the lot. Ooh. Um, the Roman Catholic Church condemned the 1952 song "I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus" oh because God. they thought that it promoted adultery. They, they didn't <laughs> get the fucking joke. They didn't that get it. Dad is dressed up. <laughs> so they it. finally they didn't get it. Do they think Santa's real? Be honest. They finally Do called. They, think they think a lot of things are real. <laughs> Let me. Let me just say that. They're like every it's it's uh what's it when the sister wives thing uh Santa's kissing all the moms. Uh, uh. all I can think of is the Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny <laughs> when he's like and then all the Santas come over and the, <laughs> and all the Santas are just mom's. like hooking up with his mom and leaving <laughs> him a present. <laughs> he's like that was my favorite part. <laughs> 
Anyway, um, so then they, they called off the hounds after a 13-year-old singer, Jimmy Boyd, explained that Santa is the kid's dad. A 13-year-old <laughs> was like, like, all right, we'll be cool. Was we'll like, be cool. I understand the song because I know Santa isn't real, but you guys <laughs> clearly don't. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, oh, that's, that's it for our, our quick hitting facts, which we covered a little bit in last yeah. year's episode, but also fun to revisit some of them. We've got um, some Christmas songs on the internet. We do. Um, it's on our Bandcamp page. So Radio Keys, if you search the Bandcamp website, it's, it's always something like Bandcamp slash Radio Keys dot yeah. com or whatever. But or if dollar, you just look us up, you can find each. it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a forever. fun record. We, we uh, cut it live and there's also corresponding uh, videos on YouTube of yep. us playing them all. Yeah, play them on the YouTube so, and watch us play it in our red room. It's, it's all decorated with uh, you know, a tree and lights and we're all wearing festive outfits. It's we're, very... We're not as festive this year. No, it's been one of those... we leaned in. Yeah, now we're leaning out. But no, I We're ha- just all busy again. Yeah, huh? we're super busy. I, I got this tiny little Christmas tree and it is the worst Christmas tree of all time. Um... I'm going to post a picture of my Christmas tree. Do it. So hopefully you guys will see it. Um, I think it might legitimately be the worst Christmas tree of all time. Why? Because what happened was, is we don't have lights that are small enough for it. So oh. we just put um, some ornaments on it, like some silver bells and some disco balls and Got like yeah. just a smaller Love stuff. It. And then we wrap the tinsel around the tree. Yeah, this is this is where you went wrong. Too much tinsel. Too, too much tinsel. Yeah. So there's like a bunch of tinsel on the bottom. I was like, this will be like the, the tree skirt or whatever. And... Uh, <laughs> Okay. So I'm just lying there in bed watching uh, The Witcher or whatever. Oh, yeah. And uh, Presley, who, of course, she's going to love this tinsel, right? Because it's literally the toys that you buy the, her. Her favorite toy are these weird, like, plasticky, like, trash toys, basically. They're, like, yeah. very colorful, and they make, like, this sound. It's basically, like... A bow you would put on a present, like it's shiny yeah. and it's it's. That's why she loves trash. So so she's been doing <laughs> to make my tree even more destroyed and disheveled. Aww. What she's been doing is she runs up to it and she gets it in her mouth, the tinsel, yep. and then she tries to sprint away with it yep. because that's what she does with those toys. Is she puts them in her mouth and then she sprints across the house with them. Yeah. She's got her kill, and she's. I mentioned know. this is my cat Presley, right? Yes, like, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my child Presley. <laughs> so my two-year-old. Presley. So I keep on catching her tearing <laughs> down my tree over and oh, over again. I'm like, no. Presley, don't tear down my tree! And then she's and she sprints off. It hits the ground. It gets all bent and disheveled. Uh, well, and it's it's small enough it's that she very can take small. it down because we had a big tree last year, and I was like, we have four cats and a tree, like. This is going to be tough. But there was no drama. Never fell over, right? No. <laughs> so, no, they, they no, weren't, no. She they would jump in it and it climb over. in it and stuff. Yeah, but, but they can kind of do that without doing too much damage, yeah. to be honest. But she's destroying my poor little tree. So I'll, I think I'm going to post uh, probably that story I just said to Instagram over the picture of my tree. Yeah. And maybe uh, you guys can let me know whether you think the tree is the ugliest tree of all time. I'm sure it's not. It's really ugly so <laughs> we're gonna find out anyway um any last things no um just you know happy christmas and happy all holidays and happy new year and it's gonna just roll on by real quick be, yeah be kind out there everyone yes please be kind be kind be kind be to your your retailer that's yeah, helping to you out everybody yeah you be know, kind to everyone not just the your retailer. your waitresses your hey your everyone your wife your the person your that works at trader joe's that you're getting your groceries from and the store is hectic and yeah there's a lot going on yeah but everyone deserves that you know kindness of the holiday spirit don't lose sight everyone i like it i like it <laughs> Don't lose sight. All right. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, My name's Stuart. I'm Emily. And we're Radio Keys, and we're going to keep searching for that sweet soul music. Try to imagine a house there's not a
Happy Holidays and a really happy, much better New Year. 